that you got uh the Millie Rock, the br- the Bobby. The second song is called Bobby. <laughs> the third song's called Brown Noses. I don't know. That was I was just trying to make a Billy Millie Millie Bobby Brown. It didn't work, and it didn't work. And I'm sorry. I'm hey guys. I'm sorry. I I'm going to take I'm going to take a I'm going to take a step back and listen from now on. So, sorry guys. No, we're not going to include any of that in the episode. Let's start the episode. <laughs> yeah. Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to Ruthette. I've been meaning to listen to Ruthette. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Why don't you come over and talk about it? Hi, everybody. Um, we just, that was, um, shout out to Emily Blue, uh, for our lovely theme song. We love her. We stand a queen forever and ever. So. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and please come on our show. Please, please, I'm on my knees. Please, Emily, come on our, <laughs> here's a real, do you want me to like, okay, so, um, I, <laughs> let me actually pull it up because I think it's really funny. Um, I don't know how funny it is actually, but in my memory, I think it's actually pretty funny. Um, but like after, so me and Emily, um, me and the artist known as Emily Blue, um, you know, have been corresponding about the theme song. She was like generous enough and kind enough to say yes to us, uh, you know, for money, but (laughs) to say yes to us and, um, you know, (laughs) make our theme song and like she you know took the notes really well and like we kind of like had a pleasant back and forth you know email correspondence and uh um so i want to read the like email so like basically after you know she sent it sent in the final version like we gave the thumbs up um I felt like I had to write like a courtesy email to say, Hey, thank to essentially express, Hey, thank you for doing our show. Um, thank you for doing our show. And thank you for doing our theme song. And we would love to have you on sometime. That's all I like. That's like the, that's the, the, the function of the email I sent. And this is what I ended up sending her. We might cut all this out, but I think it's really funny. Uh, so this is after hearing the finalized finished theme song. Dear Emily, this absolutely rules. Ezra and I absolutely love it. It's practically perfect in every way. No no notes or tweaks at all. I love the harmonies, the new instrumental flourishes, and the transistor radio intro and outro adds a lot of personality to the mix as well. And parentheses, as someone who hosts a musical criticism podcast, I know very little musical terminology, so forgive me. Uh, End parentheses. This bears repeated, but thanks to you so much for your generosity and letting your immense talents to help us out. You and your producer have not only knocked it out of the park with the theme song itself, but your level of professionalism and communication has really put any anxieties we had to rest. 
Thank you so much, and we can't wait to see your career blow up, in parentheses, in a good way. Um, we would also like to take this opportunity to leave the door open for potentially guesting on our show. I know you're a super busy person, but it would be an absolutely it would be an absolute honor to geek out about music sometime in the future. Once again, thank you so much. Reaching out to you was not a hashtag bad decision at all. Parentheses. Sorry. Love, Andrew and Ezra. <laughs> so I don't think she, that was a work. I don't word. think she's gonna like come on our show. <laughs> I think we scared her off forever. <laughs> um, but we we might have. I like the bad decision pun. <laughs> it's not a because shout out. That's a new single that she has. Yeah, out. yeah. It's not. It's not even a pun. It's just like brand integration to to the to the brand. Yeah. So like no one else is going to hear it until now. Okay. So um that was that. Um but speaking of guests we have not scared away. Uh let's introduce our guest. Who is this lovely person in your ear holes right now? It's Jillian Barukovich. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Did I get that right? Okay, yeah, God, is. thank you. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Jesus, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Hello. Hey, Jillian. Hey. Um, so Jillian is a great friend of mine. She is an amazing writer. Her career is going to blow up in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Parentheses, not sorry. <laughs> in the next few years, I'm sure, she... Uh, it, she writes, like, a lot of, uh, like, young adult fiction, like, kind of dystopian type of stuff, and, like, it's really good. And I highly recommend that, like, whenever she, like, puts out, like, a book or something like that, that, like, you guys check it out. And, like, we can, of course, always have you back to, like, promote something like that. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> okay, so, um... Let's just get into, uh, yeah, let's just get into, like, Lana Del Rey herself. So, what are your, what are your impressions on Lana Del Rey, uh, in the past? Your preconceived notions on her, if you will. I just knew about her as the one who sang the song on the Gatsby soundtrack. Yeah, Young and Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was my shit. In, uh, Will you still 13. remember me when I'm not young and beautiful? That. Yes. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I don't know if it's good, actually. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's. Uh, yeah, okay. So, like, what. And, like, what. So, you didn't like that song at the time? I did. You did. I didn't. Well, what? <laughs> I just thought her voice yeah, her... was really cool, and it reminded me of the twenties. Mm. So yeah, I um, I personally um, like uh, just speaking of singing and Lana Del Rey. Um, I mentioned this last time we recorded, but I think mm. it's worth mentioning again. Um, I I guess. Uh, I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, did like. Basically, like, I was required to do this thing because I was in choir, um, where, You were required. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
where like we all had to like uh perform like songs and stuff and we could either perform like a group or alone and so I did both but uh the one that I did um by myself uh was um Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie and uh I, like, played piano myself, um, which I'm not super great at, uh, because, like, I just kind of taught myself at that point, and I think that it definitely helps to, um, like, for me at least, to have, like, an outside teacher and stuff, and, um, since then I've learned it a little bit more, but I'm still not very good at it, so, because I can never practice, um, but, uh, yeah, so I, uh, played this and, um, it didn't go super great. Um, it was a type of event where like, uh, basically like other, um, students were, uh, supposed to attend and stuff like that. And then like people's parents and whatever came and, um, the audience, uh, like gave people like, like they scored them and like gave them grades basically, um, depending on how they did. And, uh, people could not hear me very well. Um, the piano like drowned it out, um, like out the sound of my voice. Cause that song is kind of like in my lower register and it's like very, um, slow and stuff too. And so it just didn't go very well. Um, so like a lot of people, uh, scored me pretty lowly because they couldn't hear me. Um, which was sad cause it wasn't like, an actual score of, like, how I did as much as, like, the acoustics, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got one, uh, like, feedback that said that I sounded like Lana Del Rey, and I was so pissed about that, because all I knew was Young and Beautiful at the time, and uh, I just, like, uh... I don't know, me with my, like, angst and whatever, just kind of, like, stalked around being really ragey about it. But since then, now that I like Lana Del Rey, <laughs> I think that that's a great compliment. And I, I don't, like, I think that that was probably the one of the nicer comments that I got back then. I think I remember, uh, I remember the Gatsby song. I remember... Um, uh, uh, I remember watching the SNL performance, which, you know, rewatching isn't very good, but at the time I just like, didn't really, um, didn't really, um, you know, think too much of. And then like some of my friends, like, it was, this was like 2012 when this album came out and, uh, my, my, the only musical, um, the only music musicians I really loved at the time were Frank Ocean and uh, Childish Gambino. And I remember, I remember a friend of mine making a status about like how Frank Ocean and like Lana Del Rey were like in the same echelon, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I knew the singles, and I also I, I felt like the stuff I've listened to felt a little shallow and repetitive and it didn't interest me as much as like Frank's music did and still kind of does at the, at the time. And it, it's just like, um, so I just had that like bugaboo that like 
that very, very mild vendetta against um, Lana. Like, I, I wouldn't say against her, but just like... Well, it's kind of like just whenever like a, people pit, like, uh, artists against each other or, like, pieces of media against each other and you really like one and you really don't, like, you just don't necessarily care for the other one. Like, it kind of makes you not like the other one. Like, how everybody was about Twilight. It's like if, like... If, like, someone, like, listened to my podcast, our podcast, and uh, they wrote back, oh, hey, great podcast. It reminds me of Chris Brown's music. I'd be like, (laughs) I wouldn't enjoy that very much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's entirely different because Chris Brown is also, like, a shit person and stuff, too. So, like. I I was trying to think of an example that didn't work. Okay, so. Um. But, like, but listening back to it and listening to Frank Ocean stuff today, like, to in, like, this week or whatever, like, oh, like, it's very clear and apparent that their music is very similar. And, like, they have similar, like, writing styles and, like, they both kind of, like, do these characters in a sense. Of, like, their, their, their um, musicianship is, like, very cinematic in a lot of ways. And just, um, and I kind of, like, looking back, it's kind of realizing how, like, dumb it was to like pit two artists together against each other in that silly way it's kind of it was just like a fruitless and pointless thing to have done and just like close my mind to more good music i don't know like yeah that that's my those are my preconceived notions on her i and listening to this record um i'll just kind of like briefly go through like my thoughts on it like when i first like when we first recorded the podcast is that I really liked it, but you know, I felt like some of her, the way she was packaging some of these messages were irresponsible and were, you know, um, you know, especially cause like she had like a lot of young listeners or whatever. And like that, she kind of glamorized like addiction and addictive behavior and stuff like that. And I think on some level, I still believe that a little bit, but that being said, listening to it now and like revisiting it for this episode i it really really grew on me a lot and i will we'll get into it when we actually get into it but like i'll I'll say like my 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 admiration for this album has grown like a lot maybe not like 180 degrees but like about like 95 i'd say (laughs) you know for right yeah yeah yeah. I think it's definitely one that gets better, like, the more you listen to it. Yeah. You know that campaign, It Gets Better, is about this album. <laughs> like, all those all those celebrities were, like, made videos in their backyard saying, like, hey, guys, you know, um, I know you, you'll listen to Summertime Sadness and think it's shallow and repetitive, but I'm here to tell you, as Jesse Tyler Ferguson, it gets better. And I'm here for you. And I love you and keep fighting and pushing forward. So, so like, that's what that campaign was all about at the end of the day. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I like this dynamic of, like, me, like, committing to this idiotic bit and, like, silence while I'm doing it. And then... <laughs> so it's like, so what, I, in, when I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, no, I've gone too far. <laughs> or, oh, no, this is... <laughs> not funny 
I just know that you make yourself feel more uncomfortable than I could. So I can't let you sit in it. So let's get into the album. Right after this break! Click. And we're back here to talk about Born to Die. I mean, if you had to have a spell it out for you. <laughs> I mean, really, the second that you're born, you do start dying. Yeah. Yeah. It opens like a Disney movie. Yes. I, I would say, like, the organ opening orchestral, like, flourish to start the album is, like, iconic. And, like, one of the great album openers, I would say. Like, that immediate... Just, like, that is... It's it's iconic. It's great. It's like yeah. makes me look forward to the rest of the album. Yeah, I like it too. I think that it works really well. I was just going to say yeah, I like it too, and leave it at that. But then I knew that you would just laugh at me. Why? <laughs> because oh, yeah, you always do that. <laughs> well, like the podcast would like, be. Why? And then you immediately go back. And you're like, oh yeah, I know myself. <laughs> like the podcast would be good if I was like, well, what do you think of this song? It's good. Okay. Well, next, next song track. is... <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, that would, like, cut down on time. You know, honestly. So, like, an hour and, like, 15 minutes. But like... I don't like the let me kiss you hard in the pouring rain trope. But, again, like, uh, I said this last time, um, it seems very more her style to say, uh, like... Uh, let me fuck you hard in the pouring rain, which apparently was the original draft. So. Oh. Is that the original draft? Well, then I don't know if it's the original draft, but that was like the original, like that was the version of the song before the one that she released. So, oh, oh, what can Halsey what? say? Fuck, but Lana can't. Lana can. She does. <laughs> And she will. <laughs> free Lana, let her say fuck. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag free Lana. <laughs> let her um, but like it, yeah. Um, so uh, I just want to get into like the kind of like the deeper, like thematic stuff of this album is, and she she goes deeper into it on the song Dark Paradise, but. The death of her boyfriend is like one of the linchpin undercurrents of the album. Sort like sort of like how the death of her friend is the linchpin undercurrent of the show Fleabag. Where like even though like she's kinda like going on kooky adventures and like having like a lot of awkward sex and stuff, like the the undercurrent for the entire series is like the death of, the death of her friend, the death of her mom. And like even like and that's like motivating all of her decisions. So I feel the same way about Lana, about like this this is this might not be like the only major influence, but it is like I feel like it is like a deep pretty steady undercurrent throughout the whole album. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Like hoping that the gates tell me that you're mine. Um it I think like at this point it at See, this point in the album, she's, like, kind of thinking about it. For this song, I don't think that she wrote it about uh, the one who died, though. Yeah, like, she's, she's had a the, lot of suitors. Yeah, I think there are some undercurrents of that, but this uh, feels a lot more, like, uh, I don't know, a lot of these songs feel 
like, uh, she's trying to, um, be something for them and stuff like that. And like, Oh yeah, that's amazing. Like you like your girls insane and stuff like that. She's always like going back to like, uh, what the guy that she's talking about likes and, um, like trying to become that, I guess. And then, um, I like this, uh, line, um, that uh, I saw, like, on uh, Genius, um, when I was reading about the song preparing for this episode, uh, like, I read, uh, this quote from, uh, New York Times, um, like, Chelsea Hodson writes, uh, in Lana's melancholy world, to love is to live, so to love the wrong person is to be born to die. And, like, um, with this being the title track and everything, I think that, like, that, there are a lot of, uh, like, that has, like, bigger implications for the album, too. Like, there are a lot of, um, there is kind of a lot of, like, loving the wrong person, and, but she, like, throws everything into it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, It is, uh, like, it reminds me of, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and, like, how Rebecca Bunch will, like, kind of, like, adopt these personas to, like, fit whatever the guy wants and fit whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely, uh, feels like that. It's just, like, a lot darker. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, the whole thing is, like, sexy French depression. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, the other, like, major kind of, uh, beyond, uh, you know, mortality, death, um, not just mortality and like, you know, monogamy or whatever. There's, that's a theme too. Um, another big theme is like, just, um, just this raw deal. She keeps offering these guys in her life of like, um, there's a, there's a line. I feel so alone on a Friday. Can you make me feel it? Can you make it feel like home if I tell you you're mine? So like, it's that raw deal of like, I will please distract me from these loftier and depressing ideations. And in return, I will be whatever person you want me to be like that. So like, they're both kind of getting something out of it. It is just like incredibly dark and sad. It is incredibly dark. I feel like maybe like some of my attachment to this album comes from like, uh, I can kind of, relate to that and like a lot of this darkness I uh like it's not new to me that's stuff yeah. that like I experience as well and I am uh like I don't know just with all the stuff that I've dealt with this last year I've felt incredibly alone and just like to not be alone to be distracted from that like I could see myself going down that type of path too and that's like very dark and not yeah a fun thing to face it's tricky it's tricky because like i think we do need when we're going through really tough things i think we do need those distractions but it is also like picking the right thing and like you know picking but something also that will, like, like as we see in the next song like that uh opens you up to like all sorts of shit and that uh like, using other people as the distraction um, can make you very vulnerable to people who uh, don't, like, meet that in kind. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly, like, what Lana's kind of talking about, too. And, yeah. like, 
Well, and I think, uh, I guess if we want to move on to the next song and stuff, like, uh, that's uh, just something that is so uncomfortable and um, off to the races is, like, uh, she is in that kind of same place and stuff, uh, I guess, like, um, where she's just, like, trying to fill that void and stuff, but, like, this is, uh, not a good person for that. Mm-hmm. Jillian, what are your thoughts on Off to the Races? Or, like, if, if there's anything left on yeah. Born to Die that you feel like... No, I mean, you guys pretty much covered everything I was gonna say about, uh, Born to Die, but, yeah, Off to the Races, like, it's a weird one for me because it... Like, the lyrics and just the tone of the song. And, like, I talked about this when I recorded last time, um, but it... We don't have to say that every time. <laughs> well, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, a story I wrote um, a couple years ago. And, like, it deals with, like, a swimming pool and, like, loneliness and, like, loving the wrong person and just kind of, like, trying to process, like an abusive relationship and like you know I had already based this story on like two other songs um for like just the tone and so it's weird like just having that cycle come back to music to the point where like now music was reminding me of my own words pa- music's powerful that way dynamically I think this is one of the best songs on the album I agree um like I love the um dissonance like uh, and I think it's, like, the bridge and everything, and, like, uh, I, or maybe it's one of the pre choruses, but, uh, I just love, like, how, uh, effortlessly, like, she goes in and out of that and stuff, and, like, uh, the, um, difference between, like, how she's singing on the verses versus... <laughs> versus... How <laughs> she's singing on the verses as opposed to the chorus um, where she like uh, goes into kind of like this baby voice and stuff that's like very uncharacteristic yeah. for her. You know what that, that baby voice reminds me of? Oh, or what? what? The um, Glee Club episode of community when Annie is trying to be like baby Sand. Teach me how to understand. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, like suits the like Frank Ocean like in that way is how he like puts she puts on different voices to like suit the narrative and to like play these different characters. And yeah, every time like the um Every time, like, the tone of, like, the song and the instrumentals change, like, Lana, like, you know, switches these personas, like, effortlessly and, like, really, really, um, really, really, like, I, I feel like the, um, the, the production and, like, her vocals are, like, perfect for each other. Like, they complement each other in, like, the best way, I think. Yeah, I agree. And... I love that it just kind of, like, uh, starts out kind of, like, uh, softer and then, like, goes into this, like, dissonant, 
like verse and stuff and then like it just keeps like growing into like something like it's uh like a lot of songs have like a build throughout them and stuff but this one does it like so uh uniquely and uh like she uh I mean she does have like a chorus and stuff that she repeats but like she uh like the verses are so different from each other and they're like uh it just keeps like growing into this thing until like you you get this really uneasy feeling like the more she gets into it and stuff like this is clearly this is doomed (laughs) that uneasy is like a really great word to describe this record and this song too um like i think there's a lot of like dissonance and like how much of this is like how much of this is how she how much of this is her current perspective how much of this is like satirical or whatever how much of this is uh, there is like that tension i feel that is like uncomfortable but it's also like very human too yeah i think yeah the, it sounds like the guy in the portrayed in the song is negging and or grooming her yeah in the way she's like so self-deprecating like she talks about her flat broke down life her tar black soul it is inspired by lolita so grooming would definitely be like on par with it yeah just like you know the guy going like you're so mature for your age you're not like other girls and like just like that gross thing of like yeah it's like again it's like also like um kind of in the news moby briefly dated her or like kind of like that (laughs) but like i don't think the song's about moby but like it kind of solidifies the the narrative that she was willing to date an older man at the time yeah well and i like like, have not doubted that like given her experiences uh with alcoholism from a young age and everything like she um and uh like, later in the album, she's kind of talking about, uh, like, uh, and uh, this is what makes us girls and everything. Like, she's kind of uh, talking about, like, her experience, like, in the party scene and stuff. And uh, she, um, like, it uh, would fit, like, uh, right in line with that lifestyle and everything. Uh like dating older men and like being uh groomed by them and stuff and like i think that i think she does take on these uh characters and everything but i think uh there is a huge element that is biographical to these songs as well okay let's go on to the next song blue jeans a lot of big claims you know in this album you know like, I will love you to the end of time. Just, like, I feel like a lot of the choruses are, like, big, those big... She, again, like you were saying, she's, like, throwing herself... She's throwing herself into these Yeah, she various, gives it her all. You know, like, vices. you are my one true love. I will love you till the end of time. Like, just these grand statements. Well, and I'm sure, like, these guys in her life are making her feel like that is the case. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's not... And it does. It's not helped by like. It seems as though she has like. I don't want to like armchair like psychologize her or whatever, therapize her or whatever. But it's like, it does sound like she has an like an addictive personality, 
and like feels things like really when she well, feels like yeah she feels and i don't hard. think that she would disagree with you either because uh yeah. i mean i speak for lana and uh the fact that you're like the lorax of lana <laughs> the the fact that she like was an alcoholic before and stuff and has um like uh been in into drugs and stuff like it uh makes sense that like love would naturally be a drug as well yeah the thing of like the thing that like i caught this listen is um she says so like the narrative of this album the song is like uh she meets this guy he's a bad boy you know they come from different backgrounds but they had a really good time together and of all, all of a sudden he just leaves to like start a new life and she's like really really devastated by it and the line that like really the the part of the course that really got to me this time was i will love you to the end of the time and this is like she's saying this after he leaves afterward yeah and which is like deeply sad it's like very depressing just like i'll love you he's gone like yeah and like it's not wrong for her to feel this way either especially because they did feel that it's not wrong it's just it is deeply sad and uh it's not a good thing like not that she's doing anything wrong but like she has like that it's whiplash of like things were going good until he just left all for some reason yeah like i don't it doesn't seem like he gave a good explanation really not really i don't i don't know it's a bit it's a big old bummer um jillian are you sufficiently bummed yeah big time bummed <laughs> great that's what we hope to do on our, on our comedy podcast <laughs> Comedy is a strong word. Yeah, so. <laughs> I know. I always think that every time that you refer to this podcast that way. Okay, so next up is video games. Video games, as um, I, I, the thing I noticed this time is uh how the chorus, the the rhyme which the, like the chorus is hinged on is the word you, and she's like the word do true new like and you is repeated like several times in that like so many times in that chorus and just like how set how like dedicated and dependent she is on this this person it's like really she this is like the song where she kind of illuminates why she feels this way and why she does a lot of the things she kind of does like, because you listen to the first three songs, like, what are you doing, girl? <laughs> like, yeah, well, in like, this, uh, like, based on just the stuff that I've read about these individual songs, like, this is um, about a relationship that happened, like, uh, earlier on compared to the other ones that she's talking about. And so, like, I think that this did shape her a lot. And, like, with you, with her youth, you know... It's like it's weird because it's like I don't think she thinks of it that way necessarily. I think I think she's earnest when she's saying heaven is a place on earth with you or like this is my idea of fun. Like I don't think she's like she's play she's like placating herself necessarily. I think she is like settle settling for it. Like she is settling, but she's also like I like 
where this I like this in yeah. a way. Um, yeah. She she's like content being like a passive agent in her life, in a sense. It reminds me of like my shitty relationship sitting and watching him play video games on his computer in the dorm rooms and like it's just, like you know at the time God. you're like oh yeah i don't mind but okay. like if you say like hey let's do something then like they'll get mad at you yeah, that's how i can just kind of see this song. that's awful i'm so sorry I, I i i am like really glad that is like not a part of your life anymore i'm like glad you're here with us today like talking about this where this is like somewhat in the rear view oh yeah uh, really yeah um let's get into diet mountain dew love this one. um <laughs> yeah well, why do you love this one? um i get hella gay vibes from it <laughs> <laughs> like it just it reminds me of uh san junipero um black mm-hmm. it's good good up it's like the Good best episode. Like, yeah. yeah. I finished it now. Like yeah. Being I think, put on heart shaped sunglasses. Yeah. I think a lot of the imagery is queer coded. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, I don't know, like Thumb and Louise. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. <laughs> love Thumb and Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I love driving off cliffs. So, like, <laughs> Do it all the time, man. Mood. It's my favorite Tinder date. I like I like how the song switches switches it up musically, like going into a more hip hoppy thing. Um it's the way the hip hop elements are incorporated are like pretty non uh culturally appropriated y in a sense. It's just kind of like, it's there. Like, oh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of a hip-hop song, well, yeah, but that's it about it. It doesn't seem like, like she's, she's trying not... too hard to, like, fit into a genre that, like, isn't um, really her style as much. This is, like, kind of like the song where she kind of admits, like, she knows what she's doing is dangerous, but the high is so, allure- so alluring she can't stop. Like, she says something along the lines of, like, maybe I like this roller coaster. And, like... Um, just like you're no good, but she like also knows you're no good for me. That's like the thing that's repeated in the chorus. She's so she has some self awareness, but it is like again, it is how like people like people with addicted person addictive personalities act. Of like ultimately, they kind of know deep down that certain things are bad for them, but you know. The, the trade off the trade off of like the high and the distraction or whatever is so great that it's hard to just yeah. give it up. Like so what am I supposed to do? Like live like just like feel all of this fully without any like buffer or whatever. Yeah, it takes a lot of it's like, discipline that's, to be that's able a, to like overcome that. Like even if you are aware. Like they'd say like uh the first step is like admitting you have a problem and stuff like that and like that's true, but like there are is a lot more to it than just that. Like that first step is like very powerful, but like you can, yeah, you can admit that you have a problem and still like continue making these bad decisions. Like 
I deal with that because I kind of have an addictive personality and it's tough. Yeah. Like we joke, we joke a lot about on the show of like how, you know, I'm such a prude out like doing drugs or whatever, but like it, it, that it comes from a real place of like deep fear of like, Oh, I don't need a new thing to like fucking like spend money and not, not no judgment or anything, but like, you know, because people, everyone has their own thing, but like, I don't need a new thing to like be obsessed over, you know, I have so, I'm dealing with stuff on my own that I'm trying to undo and unprogram. I don't need to add a new, uh, yeah. Yeah. How many drugs do you do, Jilly? Uh, Just the one. (laughs) (laughs) Love. (laughs) Um, any other thoughts on uh, Diet Mountain Dew? It's a good song. A good I really song like and it. Awful beverage. Yeah. Okay, so the <laughs> national anthem. Things that have a patriotic theme, to be honest. <laughs> like I, I do like the song, but Stranger it was hard for three, me to get into apparently. because of the like patriotism and whatever. Yeah. Stranger Things season three is like set around Fourth of July, and that's did they why. fight the Russians? They do fight the Russians. So spoiler alert. <laughs> I know zero things about this show. I like. I was like, wait, this, this is. But a that's part not about the, the patriotism of it as much. <laughs> that's like the eighties, and that still ties in. Like they tie it in so very weird. well to like the uh, actual things that they're fighting and stuff from the upside down. The upside down is socialism. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, the only reason that it has a more patriotic vibe is just because of it being centered around the 4th of July. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just like there's, uh, there's a Fallout Boy song called 4th of July, and it's probably, like, the worst Fallout Boy song. (laughs) It's just very bland. But it's off of my favorite album of theirs, so it, like, pisses me off. I, like, I, uh, like... There are patriots, but there are also, like, you know, druggy vibes in there. Like, I imagine, like, you know, fireworks being, like, I don't, you know, like, fireworks are kind of, like, used in film and cinema as, like, kind of coding, like, as a way to, like, kind of, like, code, like, the high of, like, being on drugs or whatever. Like, in a lot of, like, movies and stuff. So that could be, like, part of it, too. Like, I think there are, like, some drug illusions yeah, in here that could be um spe- speaking as a speaking as a, like a drug haver <laughs> of all shapes and sizes <laughs> so um speaking we're gonna take a little time to have some drugs ourselves after during this break oh hey guys it's me taylor swift that's right the very famous Taylor Swift, the country music artist and the pop star and uh, the best friends of Selena Gomez, it's me, Taylor Swift. I'm just here to talk about a new web series called I Hate You Too. <laughs> That's the thing I say to Kanye West every single night when I call him on my phone, on my snake phone. Um, so me, Taylor Swift, I just want to promote this new web series called I Hate You Too, a comedy web series about two trashy millennial roommates dishing out the love and the hate. <laughs> Kevin and Allie may think they have golden futures ahead of them in Chicago, but only if they can ma- manage their psycho mid-twenties. Whoa! 
That's right. My whole career from red to reputation to lover, that's been, that was my cycle mid-20s. Boys only want love if it's torture. Remember from my song? So, this show stars Mindy Shore, Marlene Slaughter, Jordan Gleaves, Madison Freeland, and more. More than that? Is my buddy, is my arch nemesis Scooter Braun gonna show up? I hope not, that guy stinks. He's a bucket of turds, that guy. Scooter Braun, more like Scooter Yawn. (laughs) That's the meanest thing I could ever say to that person. Uh, so, you can watch season one streaming on YouTube or Instagram, and all six episodes are available online for your viewing pleasure. So, here's the thing. It's ridiculous. It's current. And it's fun. What more could you ask of it? And it has an endorsement from me, Taylor Swift. So, why don't you just shake it off and become a lover of this show. I'm Taylor Swift, and I'm Taylor Swift. So let's get into like it, like on a more. Uh, this is like first time she like kind of point blank says, "I wish I was dead. I wish I were dead," and um, just like it's very similar to. Um, it's very similar to that one song. Uh, 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 um, blue jeans about like how she's like she says something along the lines of like um, all my friends ask me how I sit, stay strong tell me when you find true love it lives on so the love she has for this guy is so powerful that like it gives her the motivation to like keep moving which is exceptionally sad because he considering that he has passed on considering that he is you know, it's it's like again, she she like has this. She has like so much like love to give people. It's just like, and like you know, I think she is. That's the thing that I, and like maybe that's what makes um that last song work a little better than I thought it did. Of like, you know, she's like, but like it's like she's not. She has. She isn't at a point in her life where she's putting it in places that can like actually like feed feed her in a in a sense, like in a spiritual, emotional sense, which is. It's really really dark. It's really really sad. I think it's a great song, altogether. Yeah. Um. And like, uh, just in the chorus, how she uh is essentially saying that, uh, like, like, just in that entire song, I guess, she's essentially saying that, like, uh, the thing keeping her from, like, actually doing something about wishing that she was dead, like, actually killing herself or anything like that, um, is just this idea that, like, he won't be waiting on the other side. And, like, that is incredibly dark. But, like, again, it's something that I can relate to because I have, like, uh, not because I've had somebody who's passed like that and stuff, but, like, I can relate to, like, just finding, like, 
reasons that aren't necessarily the right reasons for deciding to stay alive. Yeah. And like when you go through like a separation of like some, like, you know, in this way or in like, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like at literal death, like your partner literally dying, but like them breaking up with you and like, you know, you know, this source of hope being taken away from you. Um, it, you know, it, on, on the outside, it could, I could see why people could be like, uh, you know, it ultimately doesn't matter. So why are you so sad? Like, why do you feel this way? It's, but it is like, I think that's like, um, it, it's like, I think it's a very real reason why someone would want to like quit, like why someone would want to like not keep living in that way, keep, keep living in that way, keep living, keep living. It's like, yeah, I don't, it's, I think it's very important not to trivialize this stuff like this, like, and like give people the space to like grieve, even if it is quote unquote inconvenient or whatever, like, that's such a shitty thing, but like, I, and it is hard for, it can be hard for people who are like trying to be supportive of their friends, but it, it like, you do need to be patient. You, it, there's no time. Yeah. Well, the best thing to do to be there for somebody who is grieving is to listen and actually be there for them. Yeah. Like, don't try to help them move on. Let them process things in their time. Yeah. Which is because yeah. like everybody experiences things differently and like everybody grieves differently. And I imagine that uh, some of her friends who are saying that she should move on and stuff are, like, they have this mindset um, because uh, of, like, I mean, I don't know the timeline of this and stuff, but, like, uh, they have the mindset, like, because, like, oh, well, like, you weren't married and stuff and, like, it, uh, I don't know, like that means that she's not allowed to um, keep loving this man and she's not allowed to uh, grieve like the significant relationship that it is and like that's bullshit wow that that is yeah (laughs) thank you for sharing that that's awful that's so So radio, I don't know. I don't know how to like move on, like to elegantly like kind of transition. Um, but yeah, that that's like, I don't re- I don't really know what to say to that. That's like, yeah. J- Jillian, what do you got? Maybe you'll pepper in some good things. What was that? I I didn't even I didn't complete a sentence. I said maybe. <laughs> uh. Oh, I really like radio. Oh, we are, yeah, yeah, thank God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like radio. That's the one, like, lyric I wrote down is, like, now my life is sweet like cinnamon, like a fucking dream I'm living in. And it's, like, I feel like this is, like, a reprieve from, like, the toxicity. Yeah. yeah, I love this song so much. Yeah. It does make me a little uneasy, though. Yeah, because, because it's it feels like, like she's in such deep denial. Yeah, she doesn't even see. I get that too. Um, but yeah, 
And well, and that makes like the sweetness of the song like juxtaposed. Yes. Juxtapies. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Shout Olivia. Out Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she's probably listening to this. Yeah, she probably loser. hates us. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's a sleeper hit. I I appreciate it more now. Yeah, I appreciate it the more that I listen to it. Um, it's just uh, like. Like I uh, mentioned the first time that we recorded this about how uh, she like um, th- like part of this is about uh, like the people who like change their mind about her because she is playing on the radio and stuff and uh, like I think that it is like really cool that she chooses to have like such a positive mindset about it. Like, I do think that there is some, like, denial, like, built into this song, but I think that, um, on that front, like, uh, I, like, on that front, she actually, uh, has, uh, a quote about it, um, from, like, when this was released, and she says, uh, people always said, oh, well, people will come out of the work and change their mind about you, they'll start to like you because you're on the radio, and it's true, but I don't mind, because I'd rather have people be nice to me, so I liked it. I don't really care why people are nice to me, I just like it when it's easier. And, like, I think that's kind of a mature mindset to have about it, because I think a lot of people would be a little bitter about, like, oh, well, you didn't like me then, but all of a sudden... Yeah, and, like, I think um, there's a Kevin Abstract interview where he talks about, like, how his mom, you know, was, you know, homophobic and stuff and, like, you know, didn't understand his, you know, how he, who he was. And then, like, as he got more famous, you know, she started to be, you know, turn around a little bit more and be more supportive and, like, be like, hey, it's my son, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I think for a time he was, like, kind of bitter about that. But then like Rick Rubin like was talking of him and then he asked Kevin like do you think that because you um have this platform now and people are like seeing you in this way that it makes it easier for your mom to see you in this way so so and that like really unlocks something for him of like oh that's not necessarily it could be a, it, it is like a step in the right direction of like if these other people are uh, see the see what's valuable about me then the people who didn't see that in the past like could see that now it, i also recognize it could be just like they want money or they want like hey i know this person but like i think there is a level of like understanding that comes along with that too which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I like to I like to preface every point I make with which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> just I just need it for myself, honestly. Like <laughs> You're right. I didn't think that that was interesting until you said like that it was, it was interesting. interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh Carmen. I like the line um her liquor's top shelf. Um, I like the double meaning, you know, the multiple interpretations for, for that, where it could be the denial of like, it's top shelf, so it's like out of sight, out of mind. Or it could, or like, um, 
it could be, you know, the it could be. I I know like this might not be an actual expression, but like top shelf, like being like a indicator of wealth of like, you know, I have a nice like liquor cabinet. Like, um, does she's like she's able to use her like you know privilege and wealth to like kind of cover up this real problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're coaching up your cogent point about privilege or like denial <laughs> I haven't slept the like French interlude like I think it works really well in the context it's just really good. <laughs> it sounds like she's like simultaneously condemning yet tacitly endorsing her reckless behavior. Um, and I don't think that she's endorsing it in the song at all. But she's saying like, um, she said, you don't want to get this way. Famous and dumb at an early age. I'm lying, lying, I'm lying. So it, again, it's like that, you know, way it's that addicted thinking of like, you, you know, you don't, you know, it's bad, but you still keep going back to it because it feels good or like it feels, you know, on some level. Yeah, I thought that you were saying about Lana Del Rey herself that like she is kind of like endorsing it as well. Oh, yeah. Which like, I don't think that she necessarily is, but I do think that the character in the song like uh, is like. I don't know. It is kind of coming from that place of like, oh, well, I acknowledge that like this probably isn't the way to be, but like it's more fun to be that way. So I'm going to do that anyway. Yeah, it's like really it's a really tough line. The, you know, how much of like as an artist, I imagine with a huge platform, like what you endorse when you sing about something or when you talk about something, it's like that's such a you know, especially someone with a platform, like how anything you say is like, and you know, anything you mention or say is like, you're tacitly endorsing it, which is like when oftentimes like not what people mean to do, um, but it can come off that way. Yeah. I think this entire album is like, uh, very, uh, it's a very difficult line to walk and everything. And I don't have the answers. I don't know um, if she is being as responsible as she should be. Um, and I, uh, I don't know what would be the better way for her to talk about her experiences. Um, because I think there, like, I think some of it does come across as irresponsible to me. Like it does seem like she, um, like, not that she is endorsing it. Like, I, um, as somebody who is the ripe old age of 23, um, <laughs> see that uh, she is, like, commenting on this lifestyle. She's not endorsing it or suggesting yeah. it to younger people, but she does have a younger audience, and I don't know that they'll all pick up on that, like, no, not everybody sits down and analyzes albums like, like us. we do for the show <laughs> or like, uh, 
like somebody who is in their 20s might do in general. Like somebody who's in their teens, like might want to devote their time to other things. Like, I mean, I was kind of a music nerd, like so Ollie-ing I still sat down and did that. <laughs> but, uh, the two interested like, teens. I think, I think, uh, a lot of her, like, younger audience, uh, won't really pick up on the nuance of her music. And they might use something that's meant to be a criticism as, like, an anthem for, yes. like, their, uh, reckless behavior. Yeah people get into this business to express themselves and to be honest on some level about their experience or like to have some context for their experience and just to go like no you can't have that because you know maybe you'll convince a kid to like start drinking or whatever like well okay i guess i can't talk about this and like that's such a that's a tricky situation to be in or like to talk just like or to dance around it in a sense or like because like you know no one likes to be preached to like no one that's i think that's like bad comedy or like bad like um bad music where it's just like the met they're like ah, ah, ah but don't like remember racism's bad like just like i think that's like there has to, I, I do feel at the same time like we need to give audiences that responsibility audiences that media and like media literacy in a sense of like to discern for themselves what actually is good and bad um it shouldn't be all on the artist to be yeah they shouldn't be role model like not that they i think like to well and i think it makes it very difficult from an artist perspective to uh be able to like write um, like obviously they should keep in mind like who their audience is and like what they might take from it. But I don't think that it is all their responsibility. Yeah. Um, I think there is some room for just like artistic expression and, um, talking about like what you know, or like what you want to talk about, like in the way that you like want to discuss that. And I don't, uh, like, on that front, I also, like, I don't agree with, like, placing limitations on the artists like that. It's very tricky. Yeah. I, 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 okay, Million Dollar Man. So it's like, I feel... I feel like the song is kind of like the same territory as blue jeans off to races and video games. I'm just like, you know, you know, I, I'm dedicated to you, Blah. but like the, the new wrinkle in this song is like, so wise my heart broke of uh, just, what am I do? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing here? Uh, like, she's like, she's more worn down by the cyclical nature of her addiction of like these this like these toxic relationships. Uh yeah. Summertime sadness. Yep. Yes. Yes. Next song. <laughs> <laughs> Summertime sadness. I agree. It's like it those YouTube summer. comments I like am sad. Summertime <laughs> sadness. 
how much summertime status do you want? Yes. <laughs> uh, it sounds like she has a death wish. Yeah. That's a new wrinkle I found with this song, listening to it. It does feel like a little, like, repetitive. or Like, when I first kind of, my first, like, thoughts on it were like, it's repetitive, it's a single, blah, blah, blah. But, like, in the context of the album, it's like, oh, like, maybe she's at this point where she has, like, if she's not, like, actively suicidal, she has, like, a death wish. Where she's, like, I don't think she would, like, mind passing on, in a sense. Like yeah, nothing. Nothing scares me anymore. Cruising down the coast, going about ninety nine. I know if I go, I'll die happy tonight. Just like you know, be being like she's not really thinking long term. In a sense, I, I don't know. She's like trying to it's enjoy like, the now. It's like intrusive thoughts. Like it's not necessarily like a conscious, like desire, but it's just like oh, like what if I just ran my car into a tree or like stuff like that. Like, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kind of like passive, passive like depression. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not passive depression, passive, like suicidal. Thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, like people who are like, one of the symptoms are like people who are like about to like complete suicide. You know, we might add a little trigger. We might add a, like a trigger warning to this episode. But yeah, like, we should. Can we put up the the hotline too? Yeah, yeah that's, that's that would be a great idea. idea. So, so um, people who are about to like complete suicide, like, well, if a potential like like way to like know that is like if they feel like relief, if they feel like just like if they're like all of a sudden like happier, like, oh, now I know I'm gonna do this. So I can like kind of just like have fun or whatever, and I, I don't I don't know how much of this is reflected in here in the song, or in this inner mind state in the, for regarding the song, but like it just kind of made me think of that of like you know she's kind of like she's you know she's sad but she's also like you know, um, she's kind of like talking in this fatalistic way, and like. F- feeling this relief at the same time. Now, is that misplaced? Am I wrong? Am I like kind of wrong on that? Like, I don't want to like be. No, I don't think you're off base. Okay. okay. I relate a lot to the like passive depression and stuff. Something, you know, something or like the passive uh, suicidal ideation, something that gave me comfort recently. that's very sad. Uh, was like, uh, you can always kill yourself later. Okay. So, like... Uh, well, how would that bring you comfort? You can always do it... I mean, not, like, comfort, I guess, but, like, you can always do it later. So, like, so you it's okay it to... Yeah. It's okay to, like, wait it out and see... Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's hard to know how, what to talk about, like how to like broach the things on like a more public, you know, platform. Because it's like, these are discussions to have like with your friends or whatever. I don't know. Like, But I'm all about like breaking the stigma and like 
actually yeah. talking about these things. Like, that's what I want to do with my writing, because when they don't get talked about, that's when bad things happen. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's really, and that actually is, like, really lovely. Um, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I, I do, with the song, though, I do get the criticism of, like, oh, it's kind of repetitive. It's kind of just, like, Summertime, summertime, sadness. Well, like it's still not like my favorite song on the album or anything like yeah. that. Um, it uh, does drag on a little, but uh, it feels like summertime to me. <laughs> this is the vibe that I get more from summertime rather than like the Fourth uh, of July, 4th of July yeah. patriotism. Same. Okay, so let's get into this is what makes us girls. Um, this song is so catchy and like just nice sounding yeah. and everything that like I'm not a girl and I still am just like yeah this is what makes us girls. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, kind of same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Let's let's interrogate how it works as an album closer though, because it like isn't quite clear to me. Um. Like, one interpretation is like, you know, this is what makes us girls is, you know, and, you know, a sign of her, you know, instead of like girls as opposed to women, like, th this is what makes us young. And like, so maybe I'll grow out of these, this stuff. Maybe I'll like grow up and be better and be healthier and stuff. But I don't, I can't really figure it out though. It's, I don't think it really ties in that well with like the the rest of the well, album i it's not chronological um because like if even if you just look at the facts of her life and stuff because uh like some of the relationships that she talks about are like uh probably like early 20s um whereas like this song uh this is when she got sent to a boarding school in Connecticut. This was like when she was a teenager and had gotten involved in like drugs and alcohol and stuff. And uh, this was uh, so like if you look at the facts, it's not chronological, but the juxtaposition, juxtaposition. <laughs> um, of this song with the other ones makes sense because of like her going away and like almost every song on this album talks about like that kind of like partying lifestyle and stuff so it makes sense to me why they would put this one last well and like the way that i kind of see it like like after like my abusive relationship ended like I found a lot of comfort in like music that was kind of like about like female empowerment and like independence as like a woman and because like I needed to figure out who I was like w away from him yeah so like I can kind of see that with this and just like you know this is what makes us girls like even if you know her idea of you know what makes us girls is a little bit you know, off. I um. I I yeah I, I did uh, the, the I I get that it's um you know I can't speak for like how empowering it is for like you know 
actual women. But to me, it felt did feel like a little hollow as a feminist like anthem because this is this is the first time these female characters are mentioned at all, and it kind of tacked on at the end, and like it reminds me. Obviously, she does better than Todrick. But well, like, but that also does make sense a little bit um, with what Jillian was saying. Yeah, okay, like, I see. After dealing with all of that, like, kind of, kind of going back, connecting with uh, other women and like, um, not uh, being boxed into an abusive relationship anymore. Yeah, it's the to me though. It doesn't feel like. And I know, obviously, the stuff isn't resolved. I get resolved. what you're saying, though. The like, stuff isn't, yeah. like, resolved or whatever. But, like, I, I don't think Lana Del Rey would describe the album of, like, this is how, you know, I went through these, um, you know, these hard relationships. But then, you know, I connected with my girlfriends and, you know, things are a little bit better. That's not, like, I doesn't, that doesn't feel like the narrative That's of not the, the thesis of yeah, that. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like, no. to, so to, like, have this be the last song, um... Especially after, like, you know, summertime sadness or whatever. Like, it doesn't feel like this is, like, the mild amount of comfort she feels, you know, after all this. Well, and maybe that's why they have a remix after this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like the, um, so, like, kind of, there's, like, a Born to Die, like, remix at the end. So, like, again, solidifying the cyclical nature of this album. Like, it begins how it ends. Um, it ends how it begins. Um, pretty much literally exactly. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's, it's the song that works the least for me, in my opinion. Yeah, that's not my favorite on the album, but I think that like, uh, I don't know, like musically, uh, even not being a girl, it is like empowering yeah. and stuff. Like, and even it being like a little uh off base of like what uh like where i don't know girlhood womanhood comes from and stuff it still like has some sense of that to me yeah. like i don't know i just think that that's it's interesting interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's get into our final thoughts on the record. Um, I, I, I could go first, I guess. Um, yeah, listening to this record a lot, I think it's a really great... Actually, I grew, I think I originally gave it like a 6.5. Um, but, you know, as I listened to it more and I as I like kind of, you know, got more context of uh, where she's coming from, what she's trying to say... I grew to really, really like this record, and musically, it's a lot of fun. Um, sometimes it it does end up being a little repetitive, but I think it's it's some. But oftentimes, it's more to suit the song craft of the song. Um, so, yeah, she has a lot of she has a lot of great things to say about like addiction and about like dependent dependency and you know in love and stuff. So I think it's a, this is a really good record. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 heart shaped sunglasses. Um, I, uh, 
like I said, I enjoyed this album like even more listening to it again. Um, I can't remember exactly what I rated it last time, but I know that like I uh, rated it highly then too. And uh, it just, uh, I like all of the themes that it explores. Like I think that it is important to uh, talk about those things. And uh, I like as somebody who has dealt with some of the things that she talks about, like I um, do identify with this album a lot. And uh, like now that, I don't know, like kind of separating from some of the uh, things that made it hard for me to listen to at first, like um, I am able to enjoy it a lot more fully. And uh, yeah, I, think it's a great album and um definitely like recommend it <laughs> if you are listening to this and you haven't listened to the album what are you doing but <laughs> if that's the case then i recommend it um so i will give this nine out of ten top shelf liquors nice um I agree with like a lot of what Ezra said. Um, like just coming out of like certain events in my past, like it's interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, it is interesting. It's interesting to like <laughs> listen to this and like the elements of my past in it, um, and like just see how much I've grown after it. Yeah. Um, and I think if I would have listened to this album, you know, three years ago, I would have had like a totally different concept of what it was even about. I don't think I would have even picked up on the, the toxicity and the abuse and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, like you guys, it's definitely grown on me. Um, I think like us. <laughs> I know that you're saying like it grew on us and everything, but it sounds like you're saying like we've grown on you as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, the album has grown on me. Um, and I think, let's see, I will give it eight out of 10 Diet Mountain Dews. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so now we're going to get into our I've been meaning to listen to that. And, and I, did. I did. Playlist. Great. Um, so, <laughs> who would like to go first? Uh, I can go first. Great. So, uh, my pick this week is um, the Young Lover uh, piano version mm. by St. Vincent. Oh, click. But yeah, Young Lover is uh, just about uh, a um, relationship, basically, with a person who uh, kills themselves, and it's just very dark and very emotional and um, definite... Uh, trigger warning for like the um 
thematic elements that she talks about. But yeah, so that's wow. that's my pick. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess my pick is going to be um, well, this rec. I kind of mentioned Frank Ocean at the beginning of this um, episode, and like how Channel Orange was like kind of like a watershed record for me. So, yeah, I'm going to pick um, Bad Religion by Frank Ocean. Click. Taxi driver Be my shrink for the hour Leave the meter This song is about um, uh, very similar to Lana Del Rey um the auto like the um love and about like love that like can't he's just like so like distraught and has this like deep profound whiplash after like this this man he loves um doesn't love him back in that way and uh he's just like He's depressed and he's like pouring his heart out, you know, to a taxi cab driver. And like the taxi cab driver is like asking him to pray. And like he's basically like, well, I guess couldn't hurt me. Like he's like willing to turn to anything. And it, like the, the central metaphor is like, if it brings me to my knees, it's a bad religion. So like if it, if, um, worshiping this one person you love this much if it brings you this much pain it's like a cult essentially and i feel i feel like that's very similar to like what lana is going through of in this in this album of like um just like a deep um yeah it's just like really really sad really really profound and his performance is beautiful there's like a string section in the song uh that is wonderful and reminiscent of what she does. And yeah, I consider them peers now. Jillian? <laughs> um, my pick is Scared of Heights by The Driver Era. Um, Ooh, click. They're a new band. Um, it's Ross Lynch from Disney Channel and his older brother. And like, it's like a surprisingly good album. Um, but like this specific song, like, it's just catchy. And then like, as I'm looking at the lyrics closer, like I also kind of see that it's like kind of about addiction and like chasing a high and like maybe sometimes that high is like from a person um so it just it feels like it kind of fits in with um lana's album and it's just it's a cool song cool all right thank you so much jillian for doing this episode where like i am like yeah it's been a great time it's it's like i think we got into some really great conversations and like some really like it's been really nice to have you like kind of be as like a guide through like as we like kind of navigate through like this really 
sensitive, tricky top, like these really sensitive, yeah. tricky topics. So thank you so much. You're really, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your, yeah, your thoughts. Um, <clears throat> and uh, speaking of like tricky subjects and stuff, I just want to throw out there for, for listeners and for anyone, um, the national suicide prevention lifeline, um, it's available 24 hours a day. Um, and you know, if you're in a, a rough spot, um, like we've talked about, then, you know, give them a call. It's, uh, 1-800-273-8255. Yeah. Yeah, thank uh, you for featuring that. Yeah. Absolutely. Close with a uh, closing sentiment that Jillian has prepared. Um, right here on our Discord. Three, two, one. Jump Don't your, your shitty, shitty boyfriend. boyfriend. Do, Do some, some drugs. drugs. And don't, and don't plagiarize. plagiarize. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. That was so much fun. Have a good day. Click. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs>